0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. March 13th is the birthday of Albert Einstein. Best known, of course, for his work on the uh, general and special theories of relativity. Known for his work on the Manhattan Project and the and atomic warfare. Known as the archetypical genius, so, that, you know, when, when people think of the genius. They expect to see a picture of Einstein there in the dictionary. We wanted to take time because Einstein was a, obviously an outstanding uh, genius and uh, physicist, but he also was a remarkable humanitarian and philosopher. Uh, with me to talk about this is uh, Dr. Don Howard, who's professor of philosophy at Notre Dame, where he formerly directed the Riley Center for Science, Technology, and Values. He now co-directs the Center's Ethics of Emerging Technologies, uh, their focus area. He's uh, served as assistant editor and contributing editor for the collected papers of Albert Einstein and as co-editor of the Einstein Studies series. Uh, I became familiar with uh, Dr. Howard uh, through his work, uh, uh, lecture series, published by The Teaching Company, called Albert Einstein, physicist, philosopher, and humanitarian. And uh, Dr. Howard, it's great to have you with me. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Al.
1: Thank you for the uh, invitation to talk about one of my favorite people.
0: Well, he is. He's a remarkable a remarkable person who, uh, again, most people think of him kind of the as the abstract genius. But he was a man who was deeply embedded In the uh, the the controversies of his day, Um, and let's talk a little bit about uh, the the picture that people have of Albert Einstein. When when did it become common to identify Einstein as kind of the proverbial genius? You ask a you ask a kid in grammar school when I was growing up who's a genius, and first would say Albert Einstein. How did Einstein achieve that kind of popular
1: notoriety? Well, I was like you as a kid. I uh, idolized the figure of Einstein, yeah. and I vividly remember, like, the Time magazine covers of uh, of him from the days of my youth. Um, he began to achieve that level of international celebrity uh, rather early on, and we can date it pretty specifically to the year 1919 when the British uh, astronomer and physicist Arthur Eddington uh, on an expedition to make an observation during a total eclipse of the sun uh, managed to confirm Einstein's most surprising prediction from the general theory of relativity, namely the bending of light Around the sun. Uh, That story somehow grabbed the public imagination in a way that virtually no other scientific event uh, had ever done previously. It was front page news around the world. The New York Times led with a headline that read Lights All Askew in the Heavens. Two years after that, he made his first visit to the United States, 1921, lecture trip, mainly to raise funds for the fledgling Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And that's when the real media frenzy, at least here in the United States, uh, took off. Uh, Reporters hounding him as he's trying to get off the boat uh, in New York Harbor, for example, and following his every step around the country.
0: Did he remain that much in demand through his life? I think he died in, what, 1955?
1: 1954 is when he died. Okay. And, yes, uh, he remained that kind of an iconic public figure to the very end of his, uh, his life. Uh, as he grew older, he retreated a bit from the public stage just for reasons of, of health. Uh, But still, he was a frequent guest in the late 40s and uh, early 1950s on radio programs and early TV broadcasts, uh, still all over the media.
0: Uh, We often hear in connection with Einstein, the year of the three papers. What's that a reference to?
1: Uh, Yes, we call it Einstein's honest Mirabilis. That's the year 1905, when still just a humble patent clerk, The Swiss Federal Patent Office in Bern. He published in the leading German physics journal, the Annale der Physik, the Annals of Physics, uh, three truly revolutionary papers. The one that's best known to the general public is his first paper on the special theory of relativity. Uh, Perhaps even more revolutionary in the eyes of uh, physicists, and certainly in Einstein's own eyes at the time, was the paper he published in 1905 on quantum mechanics where he introduced the idea of the photon for the first time the idea that electromagnetic energy lives in the form of discrete uh, tiny bundles of uh, energy the third paper was on a topic that's less well known to the general public it's called brownian motion and it involves the seemingly random motions of microscopic particles suspended in a fluid Uh, very hard to understand theoretically back at that time, but Einstein produced an analysis of the phenomenon that really offered us the first uh, tangible proof of the existence of atoms and molecules, because he interpreted the Brownian motion as uh, the result of the random collisions of atoms and molecules with these particles, like particles of soot or pollen Uh grains. Uh And that's what produced this otherwise seemingly random dance, uh, in its own way, it was just as brilliant a uh, exercise in physics as the work on quantum theory and on relativity theory. Uh,
0: did he win uh, the Nobel Prize for that last paper?
1: No, he won the Nobel Prize uh, for the work on the photon concept. It um, oh, was an yes. interesting story about why he was awarded the prize for that paper. Uh, and it has to do with a uh, somewhat... Uh, unhappy politics in the Nobel Prize selection process. When he won the prize in the early 1920s, the first wave of what is, frankly, an anti-Semitic attack on the relativity theory in Germany, that first wave was beginning to uh, gain momentum. And there were members of the Nobel Prize Committee who were politically sympathetic with this attack. Sad to say, and so it was decided to give him the prize for the photon paper, uh, thinking that that would be less politically problematic. Huh.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Uh, let's
0: talk a little bit. I want to. I do want to talk about his uh, his time in Germany and his leaving Germany. Um, but before mm-hmm. we do that, um, he was a patent clerk. <laughs> He was earning a living. He wasn't in an. He didn't have an academic position when he wrote the, that 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 year of the three papers. So, what was his? What was he planning to do with his life?
1: Well, at that point, he didn't really know. He had tried in the normal way when he finished his physics degree to get a position as an assistant to some prominent scientist. That would have been the normal first step up the academic ladder. Uh, But he failed miserably in all of his applications. Uh, It remains something of a mystery why that uh, happened. So he was at odds and ends. It was a well-paying job at the patent office, but he surely wanted to get back into uh, scientific research and an academic position. But it would take him another four years until 1909 before the University of Zurich uh, finally offered him a regular academic position. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's just, there's just something mildly amusing about the idea of Einstein worrying about a career uh, and not being able to get the position he wanted, uh, even years after he published those papers. That's amazing to me.
1: Well, uh, well, with hindsight, yes, one does puzzle over that.
0: Right, right. I mean, I, I understand that. Um, he he got a position in, in Zurich. Uh, did he? Develop a circle of friends, uh, uh, colleagues, that he met with uh, to work on projects of this sort, or was he pretty much a, a lone wolf?
1: Well, he always had uh, a small circle of good friends with whom, on whom he could rely, and with whom he was uh, comfortable. And at various points in his life, he did assemble. Uh, really interesting groups of people. And so, for example, when he was working in Bairn in the patent office, he struck up a friendship with a few other uh, uh, young scientists uh, who happened to be in Bairn and who shared some of his interests, not only in physics, but in literature and history. And they formed this, uh, uh, what they called amusingly, the Olympia Academy. Uh, It was really just three guys uh, they would meet uh, once a week, uh, they would read books and discuss them. Uh, and it turns out, that as we now understand, the work uh, uh, that went on with that group uh, had a, was a really important formative influence on Einstein's thinking in those early years, and especially because of the books on the philosophy of science and the history of science that they read and discussed. Oh. Uh, that was an experience that left him for the rest of his life with a strong conviction uh, that the best physics is done by people who are really well-trained also in the history of science and the philosophy of science.
0: Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about his uh, religious upbringing.
1: So he was born a Jew, of course, in old Germany, uh, and uh, raised in a Jewish household, So it was uh, uh, when the family moved to uh, to Munich. Uh, But it was not a strictly Orthodox uh, Jewish uh, Uh upbringing. Uh, He attended, interestingly, an elementary school in Munich that was a Catholic elementary school. And so he received instruction at home in uh, the Jewish faith, and he was receiving Catholic religious instruction at the elementary uh, school.
0: Uh Um. Did he ever show, in his youth, did he show any interest in what we might call spiritual things in that broad sense?
1: So he does recall that there was a short period uh, around the age of 12 where uh, he uh, experienced what he describes as an intense uh, uh, embrace of spirituality. Now one has to say that we well we don't understand exactly what was going on there uh that uh, that that moment passed and for the rest of his teens uh he re- he led a more uh secularized uh, uh life uh it was really only in later years that he began to embrace again his own jewish heritage okay. and that seemed in part to have uh, led his mind back to the kinds of questions about spirituality that he had flirted with as a uh, as a young person. It is said that it was the year he spent teaching at the German University in Prague uh, in 1912, uh, uh, 1913, uh, where for the first time he encountered a uh, a, a really large and cohesive, particularly interested Jewish community but he finally began to think of himself once again as a Jew. Okay.
0: it's 1912, 1913. All right. My guest, Dr. Don Howard, we're looking at Albert Einstein, physicist, philosopher, and humanitarian. His birthday was March 14th. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me is Dr. Don Howard, professor of philosophy at Notre Dame, and uh, he is uh, he has served as assistant editor and contributing contributing editor for the collected papers of Albert Einstein, and is co-editor of the Einstein Studies series. We are looking at the the life of Albert Einstein, in particular, we're beginning to angle in on his sense of spirituality, which uh, we really begin with his Jewish identity, and. Uh, if I remember uh, correctly from just the last segment, uh, his he began to embrace or at least come to appreciate his uh, Jewish identity, nineteen twelve, nineteen thirteen.
1: What did that mean
0: for him at that time?
1: Well, what it meant for him was identifying himself culturally as uh, Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never led to his re-embracing the Jewish faith in a formal uh, sense right. of, uh, okay. of the word, uh, but it also had the effect of uh, setting his mind to work on reflections about the nature of the spiritual, uh, which became steadily more important for him over the decade of the 20s, and then especially by the 1930s, when he began to write uh, frequently and very interestingly about questions of science and religion.
0: So science and religion did interest him, right? He, so he was not—he would not he would not have been a real happy with somebody like uh, Richard Dawkins' approach to the question of science and religion, I assume.
1: Oh, heavens no, not at all, not at all. Uh, so he developed what he himself came to term uh, cosmic religion. That was his designation for the view that he settled upon by the okay. 1930s. And the key idea in Einstein's cosmic religion, uh, I have to state it somewhat carefully, the key idea is that the divine is literally the universe in its law-like aspect. Now, he didn't mean by that pantheism. Uh, No, instead, he just thought about the law-like structure of the world as the expression, as the embodiment of the divine uh, in the uh, the universe. And that has interesting consequences, because for Einstein, therefore, doing physics was literally a spiritual experience for him. It was a matter of getting in touch with that divine law like order of the universe.
0: So in in some way, uh, would he be... uh, uh... I think Kepler used the phrase, thinking God's thoughts after him. Would that be a phrase well, that... Well,
1: that's might be spoken. I mean, that would not be inappropriate uh, as applied to Einstein. Uh, I hadn't thought about the relationship of Kepler to Einstein on yeah. this point, uh, but I think that's a, that's a good suggestion.
0: Um, did, did this have a moral dimension to it as well?
1: Well, Einstein was a profoundly moral person in many respects. Uh, and there are, of course, connections between his uh, thinking about cosmic religion uh, and his moral engagements. I wouldn't press too hard for too direct a link there. So this is not a conception of the religious that has a set of Ten Commandments or right. a specific moral code that attaches, uh, uh, attaches to it. Um, the, the the moral is as much embedded in this cosmic reality as is the, uh, the physical. Uh, the two are hard to disentangle from one another. But it doesn't take the form of explicit kinds of prescriptions for guiding the moral life.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about uh, his encounter with the anti-Semitism of the Third Reich.
1: Where was oh, he? Well, that was... That was a a sad story, and it began very early. I mentioned a few moments ago in the previous segment that already by the late teens, early 1920s, there was a mounting attack on Einstein and relativity theory and theoretical physics more generally in Germany by uh, sort of proto-fascist groups and thinkers. Who argued that this was what they called uh, uh, degenerate Jewish physics, and they wanted to see it return to pure uh, German physics, as they uh, as they designated it. Uh, the problems that he encountered only mounted over the course of the early uh, uh, 1920s. Uh, uh, the ugliest moment came in around 23, if I remember the date correctly, when right wing forces uh, assassinated the jewish foreign minister of the german government and when the police investigated they found a hit list and they found that einstein's name was high on the hit list and so they advised him to leave germany for the time being and he traveled to spend several months with friends of his in the netherlands where he was safe from the threat of that kind of violence but those attacks only mounted uh, over the late uh, latter part of the 1920s and into the early 1930s. And one of the things that's interesting about Einstein is that while so many others in Germany, even in the Jewish community, were somewhat in denial about the threat that was posed by uh, the ever greater power of the far right and Hitler in particular, Einstein, from an early date, had a real, really clear sense. Uh, where this all could uh, head. And he tried to warn his fellow German citizens and and his fellow Jews. Uh, But for a while, he was like a voice crying in the wilderness. Uh, uh, But he got it right.
0: Yeah. Now, now, did he go back uh, when when he left to go to the Netherlands in 1923, I think you said, um, did he ever go back to Germany?
1: Oh, yes, he did. He stayed there only a few months and uh he mainly worked in germany from that time until 33 when hitler came to power he took a couple of longish trips for totally dis- uh, uh, other reasons uh, but he mainly worked in germany until uh, 1933 the circumstances of his leaving germany are very interesting uh he had a regular half-time appointment at caltech starting in the in 1930 uh, 1930 the winter of 3031 uh, and as luck would have it, when Hitler came to power in March of 1933, Einstein was in Pasadena at Caltech, uh, and he made up his mind immediately that he would never again return to Germany. He uh, went back to Europe and was sheltered for a few months uh, in Belgium. Uh, he happened to be close personal friends with the royal family, uh, the Belgian royal family and then spent a little bit of time in England, and then returned to the United States later in 1933 to take up the position that he occupied ever after at the Institute for Advanced Study in uh, Princeton.
0: Um, Did he like his years
1: in Princeton? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, So he had many, many uh, close uh, uh, professional intellectual friends, uh, he developed wonderful relationships with a number of prominent uh, Americans, uh, such as the, uh, the soprano Marian Anderson, who became a, uh, the African American soprano Marian Anderson, who became a good friend of his. Uh, uh, so, in many ways, it was a, it was a good life. But he did complain about what he took to be the sort of stuffy provincialism of social life in Princeton, New Jersey, and in his. With his caustic wit uh, uh, had many a good quip about uh, the uh, the prima donnas and so forth of <laughs> Princeton society. Uh, how did
0: he uh, what was his role in the development of the atomic bomb?
1: Well, that was one of the most important uh, things in his entire life. Uh, so he is the person who signed the letter in December of nineteen thirty nine to uh, Roosevelt. Uh, alerting the U.S. government uh, to the threat of a possible uh, German atomic uh, bomb. And it's that letter uh, that really was the start of what became the Manhattan Project, the Allied Atomic Bomb uh, Project. It was ironic that he did that because for much of his life, he was famous as an ardent pacifist and an opponent of war, of course, that view began to soften with the rise of of Hitler, but yeah. still, for someone who has spent so much time and effort uh, 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 opposing war uh, to be the one who initiates the creation of the most significant weapon of mass destruction in human history it's yeah. really a tragic, isn't it
0: yeah yeah did he uh, did, did he regret having sign that letter?
1: Uh, he had mixed feelings. So he never doubted the correctness of having done that at that time, given the perceived threat from Nazi Germany and what would have been the horrific fate that awaited the world if Hitler had uh, gotten an atomic bomb before the Allied forces did. But he very much lamented the way in which the advent of nuclear weapons transformed our world yeah. uh, starting at the end of World War II. And after World War II, uh, he worked very, very hard advocating for uh, international arms control, trying to write treaties to bring down the number of warheads that uh, the U.S. and the Soviet Union were building. It became one of the major political uh, involvements of the last decade of his life.
0: Uh- Einstein rejected the idea of a personal God. Uh, He thought a personal God was inevitably anthropomorphic. Are there consequences beyond theology of his repudiation of the notion of a personal or anthropomorphic God?
1: Uh, One can speculate about that. Uh, I don't know of hard evidence on the point. Uh, but one does get a sense, uh, reading his correspondence and some of his other musings, that as the years went on, uh, he found himself more and more alone in the world, not in the social sense, but just uh, sort of lost in the world. And one might want to speculate that uh, if his views on religion had been different, if he could have embraced his Jewish faith Wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but maybe that would have given him more of a sense of, of belonging. Uh, but uh, but it's really hard to say. Yeah, popular
0: apologetics books often quote Einstein's f- phrase, "God does not play dice with the universe." What was the original yes. context for that statement, and why isn't it the best use of uh, the phrase in apologetics texts?
1: Oh. Uh, well, uh, the context for that had actually nothing to do with Einstein's views on religion. Uh, he was involved in a correspondence with his friend and colleague in Berlin, uh, uh, Erwin Schrodinger, uh, uh, about quantum mechanics and the many different uh, aspects of quantum mechanics that by that time Einstein had grown uncomfortable with. Uh, most importantly, the fact that quantum mechanics uh, postulates uh, fundamental randomness uh, at the most basic level of the universe, that there's objective chance down at the atomic and subatomic uh, level. And this was just his colorful way of saying to Schrodinger that he thought that wasn't the right way to do physics, because, again, God does not play dice with the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, he liked uh, the idea of determinism?
1: Uh, to the end of his life, he thought that that's the way physics uh, should go, uh, he softened on that a bit in the last few years of his life, uh, because there were other things in fundamental physics that troubled him as well, and uh, he was, uh, toward the end of his life, he said he would be willing to let go of that demand for determinism uh, if that were the price to pay to solve some other problems in fundamental okay. physics. Because about- of that... No, go ahead. When some friends of mine published a collection of my papers in Italian a few years ago, they very cleverly chose uh, for the Italian title uh, an expression that translates, even unsungly so
0: <laughs> Don, thank you so much. I wish we had more time. I feel like I'm just getting started. Thank you.
1: I really appreciate the opportunity. All the best.
0: We'll talk again. Dr. Don Howard Professor of Philosophy at Notre Dame. The series is Albert Einstein, physicist, philosopher, humanitarian.